Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's Monday, April 20th, and you're tuned in to the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined again by Paul Hoynes, our Tribe beat writer. Paul, good to talk to you. On a, it's a you know it's a sunny Monday. It feels like we should be getting ready for a, a ball game tonight at the ballpark. Uh, actually, and it wouldn't be so bad. It wouldn't be freezing like it was the last couple of years. Yeah, uh, in, in April. But it, it's it's just so crazy to me that you know the weather has been so cooperative around here, with the exception of the snow over the weekend. Uh, we we really could have been playing games at this time had uh, the the pandemic not hit. Yeah, Joan, if you if you look at the uh, schedule, the Indians' original schedule, they would have been in Boston today for the running of the uh, Boston Boston Marathon. I think that today was Patriots Patriots Day. Mm-hmm. You know, and they played eleven o'clock at at Fenway, and you know, so it would have been a it's it's, it's kind of a cool day. They they. They've played a couple of games out there on on Patriot Day the the last you know in in recent memory, haven't they? Uh, yeah, a couple yeah. of times. Yeah, I remember a, at least twice they've they mm-hmm. played out there. Yeah. So uh, always, what's it like? A weird start, you know. I was going to say. I was going to say, what's it like doing pregame at like seven thirty in the morning uh, on that day? That that's got to be crazy. <laughs> yeah, you, I don't think we go in the locker room before game time that day. <laughs> Well, if you do, everybody's got coffee and their uh, sleeping masks on. Uh, yeah, and, and you just talk, talk about uh, that game starts at 11 o'clock, and it's a real special day, particularly since they had the uh, the the bombing a few years back there at, at that. That day is very precious to the, the people in the Boston area, and, uh, you know, it's a, it's a real – uh, sort of a symbol of, of you know, it was a, you know, they call it Patriots Day, but now it's this big symbol of unity when they when they have the uh, the the marathon and, and all the things that go along with it. Uh, it's got to be a real real special time for, for people out there, and especially to, to go to the ballpark and see a game too. Definitely. It's, you know, Boston strong. And I remember after, you know, the explosion, the terrorist attack there, at the finish line, they were coming to Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I remember talking to their, their PR person and, uh, you know, they were really, they were really shaken up there. The whole team was, you know, really kind of, there was some question if they'd come or, if, you know, they'd delay this, you know, maybe wouldn't come right away or, but, uh, it was, uh, 
Well, it was that was an emotional moment for me. And if you remember, it was that there was the the big manhunt that was going on at the time. Uh, it pretty much took over the city. That the, the whole area was on lockdown, looking for the the suspects in that case, who turned out to be uh, the the two brothers, I believe, from Chechnya or something like that. But uh, that was, you know, just a crazy time as we're we're sitting here watching uh, those de- those events unfold. And I think there was even a movie that was was made about it. Uh, uh, called Patriots Day, and and where they they talked about, or they showed how they they tracked these guys down, and 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 uh, the depictions of the final capture of the one guy. It's pretty crazy to to remember all that stuff going on, but uh, and and how it relates to how something uh, so insignificant as a baseball game relates to that. But the best part for me from that that movie was uh, the act, watching the actual footage of David Ortiz. Uh, going out the, I believe the following year when they had the game uh, and he took the microphone and, yeah. and he, uh, he goes out says, Hey, nobody's going to come into our, uh, our, our town and mess with us. And they, he used some, some colorful language to, to do that. And it was, it was like everybody sort of looking around going, you know, can he really say that? And uh, <laughs> yeah. they're like, ah, it's big poppy. We're going to let him go. <laughs> yeah. I know. He, he was a hero for that. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody remembers, you know, World Series and all that, but the, but him, uh, you know, basically having a mic drop moment where he drops an f bomb is, is pretty interesting. Uh, but uh, the other thing uh, I saw last night that that was sort of gripping the entire sports world was the uh, the Last Dance, the ten part documentary series on Michael Jordan and the uh, the '97 uh, Chicago Bulls. Uh, I, you said you you, you weren't able to, to, to catch a couple of the episodes, but I'm, I'm highly recommending going back and watching some of that and the, the future episodes coming out on Sundays. Uh, really interesting stuff to watch the, the way the Bulls went through their, their sort of dynasty in the, the, the six championships. Uh, everybody was tweeting about it last night, and you know, I, was, I was sort of caught up watching it. it takes me back to being you know, uh, you know, 13, 14, 15 years old watching these guys you know, go through their uh, their sort of title run and how they built it up, and and it just amazing to watch Jordan as an athlete. Have you had you ever ever you know seen Jordan play or experienced him in any way? I just oh, saw him. I did. Uh, you know, in fact, yeah, yeah, that's interesting, Joe, that you bring that up. I was covering the World Series when the White Sox were in it, two thousand five. Mm-hmm. That was the time uh, he retired. He retired from basketball, and. Uh, they were. They announced it uh, that he was retiring at his um, at the where the Bulls work out. Mm-hmm. So I rented a car. They called me from work and said, "Rent a car, drive up there, and see what you know. See what you can find out." And you know, drove up there and uh, oh man, was it the World Series? It might have been or a playoff game or something. I don't think it was the World Series. It was a playoff game that with the White Sox were in there playing Toronto. That's who it was. Okay. And. Uh, and he was retiring from uh, basketball and, uh, you know, going to play baseball. And they had this huge mob because all the baseball writers all went up there too. Right. And uh, they were talking to Jordan. But that was the only kind of, you know, thing I got, you know, like in a scrum kind of interview with him. Right. Well, and uh, I, I believe as we were talking to uh, Tito last week, he mentioned that uh, a bunch of uh, Terry Francona's, uh, you know, friends who had – somebody who had seen – parts of the documentary said and, and told Tito that he gets his 15 minutes of fame there, uh, uh, you know, sort of being in Michael Jordan's presence as the, 
as his manager down in Birmingham, right? Yeah, and and uh, you know Tito said that prepared him for being a, a manager in the big leagues to you know what it was like to uh, cover you know a superstar or what or to uh, you know manage a superstar, a big name player. And I remember he, he had great stories about about uh, Jordan. One of them was you know he was he was gonna he was Double A Birmingham. He was mm-hmm. the manager, and that's where uh, uh, that's where uh, you know Jordan was going to start. And uh, he came up to Tito like late in spring training. He goes, "How do you guys travel?" And he goes, "We go we go by bus." And uh, so they get to Birmingham just before the start of the season. Tito comes walking out in the driveway one day, and there's three luxury buses lined up. <laughs> and and he ta- and Jordan takes him on a tour of each one. He goes, "Which one do you want?" <laughs> and Tito, Tito picked one, and, and that was the bus they traveled on that, that season. Jordan just bought, bought it. Just bought a, yeah. bought a luxury bus. That's amazing. <laughs> wow. Well, and, you know, and they looked, they, they, they showed a, a, a chart. They were one Part of the uh, second episode was talking about Scottie Pippen and, and what Scottie Pippen made, like his salary uh, in, in that season, because Scottie Pippen had signed such a ridiculously low ball not low ball, but like undervalued contract. Basically, Scotty uh, Scotty Pippen played under the same kind of contract that Jose Ramirez is playing under right now. Uh, one that gave him uh, like long term security, but didn't pay him what he was worth, uh, being the the number two guy on that team. Uh, and you know, and Jordan was making thirty million, thirty three million dollars a year uh, that year, I, I believe, in ninety seven, uh, at which. You know, back in '97, dollars was probably, you know, equivalent to 40 or 50 million dollars. You know, uh, nowadays, but and, and Pippen was making like 2.8 million dollars a season, which was just so ridiculous. Uh, but you know, making 30 million dollars a year in '97, I'm sure he he probably had plenty, and plus the the Nike money, uh, yeah. Jordan could yeah. just you know just point to a a luxury bus and say, okay, we'll we'll take that one. Uh, yeah, I, I'd imagine that. And, and that's the thing. It's like, we're, we're talking to Tito and he's like, yeah, he's still got Jordan's. He texts with him. He's got Jordan's number in his phone. That's, <laughs> that's the ridiculous. The ridiculous thing to me is Tito has Michael Jordan's phone number. That's to me, that's just crazy. <laughs> it, uh, we, you know, we watched the, I, I saw on zoom on, uh, on Twitter the other day, I saw Katie Nolan from ESPN did a, a thing where she did a Zoom a Zoom meeting with a bunch of her friends, and they sort of played a game uh, uh, on on the Zoom chat, uh, saying, "Okay, you're you're only allowed to send uh, a text to a friend or uh, or somebody in your phone that says, hey, jump on this Zoom call.'" And they were trying to see who could be the who could get the most famous person to join the Zoom call. And you know they were they got somebody got Lynn Manuel uh, Lynn Manuel uh, Miranda from uh, um, Hamilton. Uh, you know there were all these fam- Dwayne Wade like all these famous people were jumping in on this this one Zoom chat. Oh yeah. And, and I start it got me thinking. You know who could be the one like famous person I could text in my in my cell phone in my list of contacts and I got. I was struggling to come up with anybody. I, I'm sure you've got some pretty decent ones. Uh, who, who do you think? Would be the- Albert Bell, maybe. Uh, you know, I was gonna go right to that. That was gonna be it. I was like, 
Poinsy, you probably got the most famous guy you could bring in would be probably Albert <laughs> Bell that would respond. I mean, that's yeah, that thing. would respond. You, definitely. You would need, I, and and that, the funny thing is, Albert Bell would definitely respond to you, wouldn't he? Yeah, I think so. If Eventually. You, I don't if, you, know. <laughs> if you sent Albert Bell out of nowhere a, a link in a text that just said, hey, jump on this Zoom chat real quick, he might actually respond and, <laughs> and come on. You know, other people might well like require a response of some sort, but I think Albert might just impulsively want to do that. I think uh, maybe we got Omar in there. I think we got Omar, Kenny Lofton. Uh, yeah, all, basically the the entire '95 roster. You got Charlie Nagy. Charlie Nagy would definitely do it. Charlie Charlie's Nagy. just such a nice guy. He wouldn't uh, he wouldn't turn you down. I'm sure. But uh, no, that would be an, it, maybe that's an interesting experiment for a, a later podcast that. That that we could we could try is just to see what would happen if you if you texted half of the roster of the entire ninety five Indian staff <laughs> and just said hey jump on this Zoom call just to see who could get on that would be really cool oh man it, we're it's like we're brainstorming right now just trying to come up with something uh but yeah just just to follow just to finish up that uh, that Jordan Doc I highly recommend uh, watching it, it's sort of ESPN struck gold here, knowing that they've got a completely captive audience uh, for the next, you know, at least couple of weeks now. To to have, have gotten this thing out uh, on the air, I think is is you know pretty important for them. Uh, and it gave them content. You know, they went right into a like a, a three man panel discussion about the episode that they just aired on Sports Center right at, immediately following. Oh yeah. So, oh okay. So it's like it, it's self sustaining. It gives them. Not only two hours of content, two hours of, of programming, but then uh, an hour's worth of content to talk about it afterwards. So, pretty neat uh, just to see and, and and just to have those memories come rushing back of being a being a kid, being a teenager in the uh, the '90s and watching the NBA was was really special. So, you know, it was sort of like being special watching uh, the Indians here in Cleveland at that time uh, in, in in the in the mid '90s was was real special. Uh, Hoinsey, what do we got in terms of uh, questions for this week? I know our uh, our listeners on subtext have been really uh, really great at sending us in questions. Uh, that's how we're going to be getting questions for our podcast moving forward is all through subtext. So if you have the uh, the opportunity to uh, log in and 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 join up, uh, it's it's three ninety nine a month. You get all of our thoughts and our uh, our whatever information we're able to share uh on a, on a daily basis we will we'll text that out to text conversation sent right to your phone uh if you if you want to sign up 216-208-4346 is the is the number to to, to text to to get signed up uh Hoinsie, what do you got in terms of questions there okay we've got one from uh, josh russell from bellevue ohio um with the obvious financial problems for everyone involved, do you do you think this changes anything regarding a Francisco Lindor extension uh, in regards to teams perhaps having a cash flow problem because of the corona uh, for fear of a corona a corona uh, <laughs> coronavirus resurgent? Right. Um, what What do you think about that, Joe? Well, I think the teams that were most likely to sign him or to attract him in the first place are uh, are, are still going to be able to after the after this pandemic passes and, and whatnot. And 
And I, I think the teams that he is most likely to sign with as a free agent are sort of pandemic proof uh, is, is, is my thinking. If, you know, a team like, you know, Boston or, uh, you know, the Dodgers, those are, those are the teams that are, you know, most likely talked about. I, I can't imagine, uh, you know, those teams ever not being in a position. Uh, the Yankees, they, they print money, so it's not like, you know, they're going to be worried about that. As far as if he's traded before then, that might affect the market, but I, who knows? His, his trade value has gone down considerably now that they haven't played a game this year. Yeah, I think, I think you're right there, Joe. I agree with you. I think the teams um, the teams that want him or are interested in him are still going to be, you know, regardless of how, how this season turns out, uh, the Dodgers, the Yankees, who, who have, you know, I think the interest is going to be there. And when you have a talent like Lindor, talent almost always gets paid. I mean, this is a unique situation. Uh, let's see what happens with the season. If it gets canceled completely, you know, maybe maybe there is some fallout. But I think a guy like Lindor is going to get paid one way or the other. If it's if it's not now, it's going to be somewhere down the road. Do you think uh, that if they don't play, if they don't get to play this season, or if they play a drastically reduced schedule of some sort this season, uh, it, it changes the Indians' position about keeping him through the end of his uh, keeping him through that last that, that that last season of team control. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. I I, I th- I've been I've been thinking about that, and I've, I've kind of coming at it from two ways. I mean, if there's no season. You know, Paul Dolan, uh, owner, the owner of the Indians, you know, is going to, you know, he's not going to have to pay, you know, basically $100 million in player salary. Mm-hmm. So that could work. In, you know, maybe, you know, you, know, maybe you, you have that money to sustain the losses you took in, during this season, although I, I think they, they take a much bigger hit. Um, and maybe you, you keep Lindor you know, for the last year of his contract, last year of control. Or, you know, you're hurting so bad when you come out of this and when the, you know, the roster freeze is, is lifted and you can make deals, you trade this guy so you don't have to pay him, you know, $17.5 million next year. Right. So, uh, you know, I, I think well, it works both ways. I would think I would think they would look to unload Lindor, just me, at – when what how no matter what kind of shape financially they come out at the end of this season. Well, and and you could also argue if if they're trying to make any money next year at all, they're going to need to offer something for the the fans to come out and see. So, yeah. you know, if they want butts in the seats, they're going to need to have Lindor on the roster at least for the first part of the year. So maybe this means he gets traded in uh, in July. By by the time you can have you know commitments from from some ticket holders of some sort, but you know, I, as far as him finishing out his, his stay in Cleveland uh, through, through his arbitration eligibility and the, the end of team control, I, I, I think now it doesn't look all that, that good. Whereas, you know, at the beginning of, if, if we had started the season in April in, in March and been playing right now, I think there was maybe a chance that, the Indians could win enough to keep Lindor here throughout the end of that, that second year. But uh, it does, it just doesn't seem likely now. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, here's uh, next on uh, another question. This is from AZ Cardman from Gilbert, Arizona. Oh, love if that the, guy. <laughs> if the season resumes with double headers and few off days, teams could be playing up to nine games a week. Wow. <laughs> I don't I don't know about that. Do, do the Indians go with six or seven starters? Uh, and how do they compare with other contenders? I mean, I don't, I, I don't, you know, I, 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 that, that, I, is a, that is a, that is a high estimate in terms of, uh, there's no way they played nine games. Yeah, a they, they can't play nine games. I mean, they'd unless, have to have a 60 they're man sh- roster. <laughs> unless they're shortened, uh, they're playing those seven inning shortened double headers. Yeah. Possibly. If that's something they want to do, that's, that's a possibility. But I don't see that being likely. I, I think. I mean, you can't. You can, you you run those guys into the ground. You right. And do. and the game is nine innings, and the game is you know how that's they, they talk about that. I I I think the Indians set up pretty well in 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 that in any kind of scenario like that where starting pitching is at a premium. I think as opposed to many of the other contenders in in baseball, they they've got what everybody wants, and that's good young starting pitching. Yeah, I mean, you could run those guys out there. You know that the rosters are going to be expanded. You know the uh, rule that, you know, limited pitchers to 13 pitchers is going to be expanded as well. So, uh, you know, I think, yeah, you're, they're, they're, they're in pretty good shape with, you know, you can run, what, uh, Bieber, uh, Bieber, Clevenger, Carrasco, Plesak, uh, Savali, uh, Plutko. You know, what? that's six guys right there. So right. Uh, if, you, if you're – but uh, nine games in a week, I, I know they want to get the season back on track, but I don't know if they want to get it back on track that bad. Now, I think the question was really sort of getting at, would they go to a, an expanded rotation? Would they go to a six, six or seven-man rotation or something like that? Uh, I, I don't really see that because you want to keep a guy like Bieber on a five-man, you know, a five-day rotation. The routine is still going to be important to these guys. Uh, what makes Shane Bieber Shane Bieber is that he he followed he learned from Corey Kluber he understands the the importance of routine and, and getting your work in and, and getting it done you know these specific things on these specific days so I don't necessarily see them wanting to move to uh, a six or a seven man rotation but could I see them doing things like uh, like like piggybacking starters. And making it look like they do in uh, um, in spring training games, maybe something like that would happen, where you would see more than one starter pitching a game. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think that's a good point, Joey. I think it's also, you know, how long is spring training? How how much are these guys stretched out? How long do you want to push them? You know, so you know maybe that that's why you would you know need some extra starters and just or like you say, piggyback a guy with uh, you know one of your long relievers or you know something like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, okay. You mentioned a new. Uh, this is uh, a question uh, referring to me. Uh, goes Hoinsey. You mentioned a new rule in a story over the weekend that a player uh, cannot can, cannot pitch and bat in a game. What exactly is that rule? I assume it's it's an American League rule only. Uh, Glenn Tapp from. Uh, Bedford Heights. This is Glenn. This is uh, or Joe. This is a um, this is the new rule that uh, they inserted this year. 
uh, you know, the, 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 two way, the two way player rule, the, the Otani rule, right? Yeah. And, uh, it is, it, um, you know, it, the rosters are, are, have been expanded from 25 to 26, but there's a cap on the number of pitchers you can, uh, carry, which is 13. And, uh, now if you can have a, a two way player, like, uh, you know, uh, Otani, uh, you know, he gives you an advantage because, but you have to, you, you have to have quali- qualify for that. You have to, you know, you have to have a certain number of starts and you have to have at least 20 starts as a position player in the, you know, going back to 2018. Now, even, you know, pitchers in the national league that, that pitch, you know, that, that bat regularly, you know, they're not going to start at a position. They're not a, Dublin as a position player. So this is, you know, this is why, you know, the rule is in place that you have to declare a guy at the start of the season. This is a two-way player. And you can only carry a certain number of two-way players on the roster. Is that what the, no, I think, I don't think there's a a cap on that. Okay. So does he count as a pitcher or a a hitter? He he counts both ways. Counts both. He counts on on one. So that way, you, you know, you, you, that's how you get the advantage. You can really have 14 pitchers on your, on, you know, you on your, on your team. And you still got a guy that like Otani that can hit 20 home runs a season. Or let's say an Anthony ghost, I guess would be the, uh, the, the advantage for the Indians that they could, they, they wouldn't necessarily uh, start a guy like ghost. Would they in, in at, at a position? No, but he would, he, he, he would have to, I mean, they would have to do, well, he couldn't, they couldn't declare him. This year, because, you know, I, I looked at his stats and he hasn't played yes. regularly in the big leagues as a position player since I think 2016. Okay. Yeah. Cause he was down, he, he went back, I believe back to the minors for, yeah, to, to, for a couple to work years. on pitching. Right. Right. So I, I guess they could, they, he doesn't necessarily uh, help them that way because he'd be counting as a, as a pitcher, but wouldn't, yeah, he wouldn't be playing every day. He wouldn't be playing every day in, in the outfield or playing all that often in the outfield. It would only right. be an emergency situation. But Otani, I mean, he could be like Babe Ruth. I mean, he could pitch and then he could start for you at DH every day between. between. Right, and, and I think that that was sort of the 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 fantasy or the mist, uh, you know, the, the sort of, uh, you know, the lore of Otani. And when they brought him, when they first brought him over when he was a rookie, they were like, yeah. He can he can hit for four days and pitch on on the fifth. Hit for four days and pitch on the fifth, and and we saw like he he, he blew his arm out the, <laughs> that rookie yeah. year. But uh, you know I guess they're they're going to work him back into the, some something that looks like that at, at some point. Yeah, I, I mean, if this if this, if this had been a normal season, he probably would have been you know kind of working his way back in because he's coming off Tommy John last year. Right. Uh, he would have been working his way back into the rotation. They thought around May or June. And uh, it know, was and, exciting when he pitched. Yeah. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of players in the minors, you know, in the high minors that have been, that can do the same thing, you know, both two way players. So this might be a trend, you know, developing over the next few years. Great. Love to see it. I, uh, <laughs> To me, I'm much more fascinated by the uh, the the two way pitchers who who pitch left handed and right handed. Those, <laughs> those are the two handed pitchers that are the the two way players that fascinate me a little more. Yeah, what's the the one guy Ver, Verdetti? What, Vin, what's his Vin, name? Pat Vin, Venditti. Yeah, yeah. 
I, I believe he was with the Dodgers at some point, or yeah. Yeah, I re- we asked Tito that, and if if he would like to have a pitcher like that, and he like he like Tito's eyes started rolling around in his head. <laughs> and he was so excited about that. <laughs> well, uh, you know what? A funny story. If you're if you've been following on uh, on, on social media during the 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 pandemic. Uh, and in the quarantine, I think Trevor Bauer is actually trying to teach himself how to pitch left-handed. Oh God. I've seen videos. <laughs> Come on. I've seen he's, he's posted videos and there's some videos of him actually like pitching in form up against like a uh, thrown up against a wall and he's throwing left-handed and he, and he doesn't look, I mean, you think about it, I can't even brush my teeth left-handed. All right. But but Trevor Bauer is, it, I think it's, yeah. a, there's, there's a challenge going on uh, in, in this, either a, a minor league or college guy who's been tweeting and, and texting back and forth with Trevor, sending videos. And, you know, Trevor must be so bored and so out of his mind, you know, <laughs> crazy with, with not being able to play ball that he's literally spending his, his downtime trying to teach himself how to pitch <laughs> left-handed. What, 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 do you, what do you make of that, Paul? <laughs> I think he he should <laughs> he's got enough trouble throwing right-handed. He should just keep 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 it there. Just you know, he's got to bounce back after that the, the way he finished with the Reds. But that sounds like Bauer, doesn't it? <laughs> no, man, I, it does. It it really does sound like Bauer. It sounds like somebody challenged him to do something, and and he's trying to do it, and he's documenting it on. on can he online. shoot with? Is it, can he shoot with both hands? Is he? Is he? You know, uh, like as a basketball player, can he? Is he a lefty? Can he dribble with both hands? Well, I, I'll tell you. To me, it, that's a lot more common to see guys being able to shoot and and dribble and and, and play yeah. basketball with with ambidextrous two hands than uh, than baseball. Uh, to me, I. If you wanted me to go out right now and try to throw a baseball, uh, you know, even 60 feet and, and make it not bounce there, I, I don't think I could throw left-handed all that no, accurately. I could. You know who, do, who can is Carlos Carrasco. He throws, he throws really well left-handed. I've seen really? him. Really? Yeah. He can, he's really good at it. Oh, he's maybe ambidextrous. And I think he's, he, he is really, really good at it. Well, now we know where Trevor's learning it from then. <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe Carlos is helping him out. Could be. I, I can't even – I'm, I'm trying to get my brain wrapped around trying to – what I would do to, to even try that. I don't even have a, a left-handed glove in my house. So why would I have a left-handed glove? Me and my, me and my son are both right-handed. There's, there are, I'm, I'm breaking in his, uh, his glove, his new glove that he got for Christmas and helping him break that in. Uh, it's real nice. A Wilson A2000, real nice glove, pro model. Nice. But uh, – I, I should now, I went to, when I was in college, my roommate uh, was right-handed, but his dad made him a lefty pitcher. Oh, his, yeah. his, his, dad, his dad only bought him left hand, uh, you know, gloves for left-handed throwers uh, when he was growing up because he said, he, he basically told, told the guy, uh, you know, if you're a left-handed pitcher, there's always going to be a spot for you you know, on a high school team or sure. uh, they're always looking for lefties. They, right-handers, right-handers are a dime a dozen. This guy, you know, he, he used a pen, wrote his name with his right hand, but he threw a baseball and he threw a football left-handed. So it, it just, it, it, it always stuck with me. I was like, wow, should I do that? Should I, should I make my kid a lefty? Should I always have him batting left-handed? Should I always have, 
but uh you know i i never got i never did that mostly because it's I have all the equipment that's right-handed, so it's yeah. easier that way. <laughs> that's funny. And, and left-handed golf clubs are harder harder to find. That's right. Are you supposed to if you just start golfing? You're supposed to try to golf left-handed, right? Someone didn't I, I? Somebody told me that, or I don't know. If you should learn how to golf left-handed. Uh, right? Well, I, I mean, that's the you know Jim Tomey throws right-handed bats left-handed. Yeah, yeah a lot of a lot of guys. It's more common to see a guy. Well, you know, they're using those left-handed bats, I guess. Uh, I, I don't know. But, no, you know, it's been pretty good. I think we, we, we've covered a, a wide range of topics. We a couple of basketball uh, uh, comments in here uh, on, on today's podcast. Uh, hey, looking forward to the rest of this week uh, as we set up uh, with the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Uh, we're going to be checking in with, um, uh, hopefully, with a couple of players uh, we're, we're getting set up with and as well. Uh, we'll also be talking to Todd Paquette uh, out in Arizona. I, I, I believe we'll have him on Wednesday's show. Uh, Todd Paquette, otherwise known as Indians Prospective on Twitter, uh, and he's had eyes on a lot of the uh, Indians minor leaguers that we were profiling over the last couple of weeks here on Cleveland.com. Uh, we're also going to continue, uh, again, on subtext, uh, Indian subtext, if you're, if you're following along, and we'll keep updating on this date in Indians history. Uh, some, some pretty good, uh, um, uh, you know, notes these last couple of days here on some sig- significant things uh, that have happened over, the, you know, in the past, uh, you know, 20, 30 years Indians history that we've been able to dig up. Uh, I'm always uh, excited to, to, to look in the morning and see on days when, when you're updating them, Paul, uh, you know, what things you pulled out of the, uh, out of the archives and, and your insights on some of those. Yeah, it was fun. Today's, uh, you know, it was Addy Joss throwing mm-hmm. his uh, the second no hitter of his career. And you know, I, obviously, I'd, I'd heard of Addy Joss. Well, I back when really... you back when you covered Addy Joss in, in, <laughs> yeah. in, as a as a cover reporter, Paul, right? <laughs> yeah, in nineteen ten, I think. And, <laughs> oh, jeez, <laughs> oh man! But uh, the the uh, you know the thing that got me was just how quick his career ended. You know, mm-hmm. just the no hitter was his last great game that he played. Then he hurt his elbow. The next year, he he caught meningitis and died. I mean, tuberculosis and died at thirty. You know, and That's just the, and he had thrown a perfect game in uh, two thousand eight, first perfect game in Indians history. So it's kind of a lot of cool stuff. And I know you uh, you uh, you had uh, uh, you know John Farrell throwing that great game mm-hmm. uh, against the the Orioles, right? Uh, yeah, it, it all it occurs to me, you know, uh, for for you, sort of, anytime I post one of those or or, or you know do one of those lookbacks, uh, you know, boy, Hoinsey was probably there. He was probably yeah. covering that game. Yeah, I wonder what Hoinsey remembers about that game. And, and <laughs> I don't know if I remember any, sort of, any of those games. <laughs> it's it's just amazing. We have thirty eight years of it. Uh, there there had to have been some that really stood out, and some that you you couldn't forget fast enough. I'm sure. Yeah, I remember there was a game uh, that Farrell was pitching, but this was in uh, – I'm pretty sure it was in Baltimore, it, like you said. Mm-hmm. But this was a game where something happened in the outfield. Joe Carter didn't make a catch that he thought he should have caught. And uh, and I went to uh, went to Farrell after the game and asked him, you know, what did you think of that? And he goes, 
if you respect me, don't ask me that question. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So like, okay, John. Wow. <laughs> That's good enough for me. <laughs> Moving on. There you go. Wow. Oh, wow. That's great. <laughs> I right. if that was the same game. Brad, do you remember the game Brad Kaminsk when he played center field for the Indians? He climbed up on top of the fence. That was in Milwaukee, wasn't it? I think in Milwaukee, caught the ball, had the ball in his glove on top of the center field fence, fell over and dropped it. Right, yeah, and dropped it. I yeah, I, that was the I, same. But there was those games stick out in my mind from that era. I it, for for some reason I, I think that was Milwaukee. Milwaukee, yeah, yeah, yeah. almost uh, old old County Stadium in Milwaukee. Yeah, almost yeah. positive that that's what yeah, went. Yeah, you know what? We'll look it up, and I'll have I'll have the answer for you on uh, on, on tomorrow's podcast. Okay. All right, Hoinsy. We'll uh, we'll be in touch, and and we'll uh, we'll talk back to you here again uh, on Tuesday. All right. Thanks, Joe.